Welcome to day 274 of Shaped by the Word, season two, the drama of Scripture. I'm Paul Kemp here with Cindy Kemp, David Keefe, and Matt Kresge as we continue our journey through the book of Matthew. And of course, we're in one of the richest sections of uh, Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's one of the largest extended uh, sections of Jesus' teaching we have in the New Testament. The other one would be the one that uh, John gives us. Uh, you know, toward the end of Jesus' life called the Upper Room Discourse in John 13 through uh, 17. And these are deeply rich. Of course, we know the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught them all day, and we can read, you know, the version we have in Matthew in less than 15 minutes, but this is the heart of who Jesus was and the heart of who, of what Jesus taught and the heart of what he calls us to be. So we come to our last chapter in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter uh, 7 this morning. And uh, as always, before we uh, before we read scripture, we we pause to realize what a precious gift we've been given to be in the presence of God, to hear His voice, and by His Spirit to have His Word take a deep effect in our hearts and lives. So, before we uh, before we read, David, why don't you lift us up in a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your Word. And we thank you for the words of Christ that we're about to read. Um, these are deeply meaningful, um, deeply informative, but above all, um, they give us the, the heart and, and the character of Christ. And so we ask now that as we look at your scriptures, that we would behold the words of Christ, that they would have a deep impact on us um, and inform our hearts and, and also our lives. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, do not judge or you too will be judged for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give the dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and perform many miracles? Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, Jesus gives us, you know, one of his famous summaries of the law. Of course, on one occasion, uh, a teacher of the law comes up and says, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and, and with all your strength. Here he says you can sum up the whole law by acting toward others the way that you would have them act towards you. Mm-hmm. And of course, there are a lot of you know, wonderful things, you know, in, in this section. Probably mm-hmm. the scariest part of it is the you know, part where it talks about fruit, and it talks about those who perform miracles and driven out demons, uh, and yet uh, they don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so an interesting section. We'll never be able to cover everything in any chapter that we do in the book of Matthew, much less any chapter we do out of the Sermon on the Mount. But there are a lot of things that stand out in this passage. Or some of the things that strike you guys. Well, I was going to, since you touched on it, that's kind of the one for me, verse 21 through 23. Because you look at those um, acts, if you will, they seem so impressive. And yet, you know, Jesus would say, the one who does the will of my Father. I mean, who who would enter the kingdom of heaven? And, um, we realize that in other passages, Jesus actually taught that God's will. So you're, the question is, well, what is God's will? And God's will is that we would repent and believe. And that is so simple, but that is it. And yet we get kind of into this thing of thinking all the things that we have to do. Yeah. But he's asked us just to sit in that place of acknowledging and repenting. Mm, or, and or if we want you know, the full gospel expression, it would be repent <clears throat> and believe and bear fruit. Right. You know, yeah. In keeping with repentance. And of course, mm-hmm. that's the context in which it, you, you have this. You say a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear right. good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown mm-hmm. on the fire. That sounds a little bit ominous. And, and so the marker... Of mm-hmm. those who follow Christ is, is what? It's their fruit. Mm-hmm. By their fruit, you'll recognize them. And then fruit is obviously not the fact that you've prophesied, not the exactly. fact that you've cast out demons, or not the fact that you've performed miracles, but something that's probably far more you know, to the character of what it means to be a follower of Christ, which he's described for us as mm-hmm. he began the sermon in the Beatitudes. Yeah. You're poor in spirit. You're... Uh, you mourn, you're meek, you have a deep hunger and thirst you know, for righteousness. Mm-hmm. You are a, a peacemaker. You're willing to suffer persecution for the cause of Christ. So those would be some of the things you know, that uh, the Beatitudes are kind of the equivalent of uh, Jesus' version of Paul's The Fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. This is what it looks like when the kingdom's at work in your life. Mm, so good. And when one of those kind of fruits, you know, he talks about it in, in the opening section when they're judging others is, you know, that whole idea of, you know, you, you have the, the speck in your brother's eye and, and the beam in yours, which is just, we are so quick, right, to kind of maximize maybe the sins we see in others and really minimize the sins we see no in doubt. ourselves. And yet Jesus reverses that. And it says, like, there's obviously two fellow strugglers there. Mm-hmm. But there is that call, and part of that fruit is recognizing your own sin, your own shortcomings well before you're, 
He's going to so quickly point that out in someone else's life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, of course, again, the scary part of that, I hate to keep going to the scary parts of this, but uh, with the, um, the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Yeah. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured against you. Mm -hmm. And so when we are quick, you know, to detect faults in others, uh, and, and we may be, you know, a little bit unfair with them compared to our own inconsistencies and our own hypocrisies. Uh, God says, okay, I'll, I'll take out the same ruler and I'll hold it against mm -hmm. you. Which is crazy. Would, mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, the verse 12, you know, one of his, his summary passages, you know, mm -hmm. so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you, which speaks right into that type of situation. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's obviously give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. the way you work overtime yeah. to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And you love to kind of his uh, teaching on the character of God, you know, and, and uh, in the sermon on the Mount, he's taught him to pray. And he says, you know, this is how you pray our father in heaven. And, and what a, I mean, a marvelous statement that we could just stop right there and say, you mean we get to address God as father who is in heaven. And, and yet he reminds him, you know, this father, look into his character, look at the kind of God he is, you know, the invitation into mm -hmm. prayer and to, to drawing near to God is, is not a, a God who is distant or standoffish or who wants to torment us or tease us or whatever we want to, you know, he, he, it's a, he's a good father. And he even says, you know, which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in, he Father in Heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Yeah. And what a great description of God. And, of course, also an mm -hmm. apt description of us. We don't often like, you know, mm -hmm. to describe ourselves as evil. But, but our heart and our compassion, you know, compared to who God is and the depth of His heart and His mm -hmm. compassion, mm -hmm. we fall so far short of that. You know, we might act altruistic, you know, uh, altruistically, you know, when it comes to our children, and some don't, you know, some actually do, do are evil to their kids and abusive to their kids. But that that's probably finding us at our best. We, they put those little ones in our hands and our heart goes out to them and we want to give them everything that we have. But we don't know how to give good gifts. And sometimes we get selfish and withhold good gifts. That never happens, you know, with our Heavenly Father. And of course, the promise right before that is, you know, whoever seeks will find, and whoever uh, asks, it'll be given, and whoever knocks, the door will be open. You know, that the God is not going to be elusive to anyone who, who wants to know him or wants to receive from him, uh, that he does know how to, you know, give good gifts you know, mm -hmm. to his children. And you'll see that passage at times. People will misuse it and say, you know, mm -hmm. so if you don't have, go, God will give it to you, you know. And this is the point of what Jesus is saying here. It's it's not that God will just give us everything and anything we ask for. You know, it's he He knows how to give good gifts, and he knows what is good, not what we think is good mm -hmm. or what we no. desire. You know, into that, it's not so much to just go and ask whatever you, you know, God's some kind of magic genie. It's mm -hmm. God's not God's not evasive or running from us or hiding from us. Yeah. He and invites us. I love, uh, you know, I loved, uh, you know, there was an old phrase, you know, from Hudson Taylor, one of the, you know, first foreign missionaries to inland China. And uh, you know, he used to say, God always gives his very best to those who leave the choice up to him. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's the trust we have in coming to him, mm -hmm. uh, that we trust him to give good gifts. And not only do we trust him to give good gifts, we trust that he is giving good gifts. Mm -hmm. So if we find ourselves in suffering or darkness or tragedy, 
it's more than just suffering, darkness, and tragedy. It's God working in and through our suffering, darkness, and tragedy to produce a glory or a gift that is even greater than, you know, than than the tragedy. And it, that's hard. That's hard for us to know. Mm-hmm. We, we trust Him when we're living in abundance, and we trust Him when we're living in scarcity. And of course, mm-hmm. looking at the stock market right now, you might ought to prepare yourself for living <laughs> in scarcity. <laughs> Yeah. And that's really no way to end a podcast, but we have run out of time. Well, he does end it with... Well, there you go. Hey, all these words I've just spoken to you, uh-huh. be the wise man and live them out. Yeah. Put them into practice. They're, mm-hmm. they're these not, aren't just to contemplate mentally. Or just to have a nice yeah. theological discussion in your small group. Mm-hmm. These are something to be treasured, held on to, and to be the very foundation of your life. And they'll radically alter your life. Yeah. yeah. Way, to, way to rescue us from a really mundane <laughs> ending. <thing. laughs> Matt, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word and time in it together. Um, Father, our, our prayer is um, the end of Jesus' sermon, that we would hear your words and put them into practice. Father, that we would build our lives on you and, and on the, the firm foundation. Uh, Father, help us to do so. Help us to hear your word, to respond to it, and to live it out. Mm-hmm. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Welcome to day 275 of season two, shaped by the word, uh, the drama of scripture. We've uh, been reading Matthew, and of course, Matthew is a wonderful summation of all the Old Testament prophets and, and all of the storyline of scripture as he brings all of scripture to bear and focuses it narrowly on the person of Christ. And we see both you know, his words in the Sermon on the Mount, and then moving out of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's going to emphasize his works. And of course, the two go together. Uh, his words lead us into the heart of God. And, and what a wonderful you know, end of the Sermon on the Mount. People just love the way that Jesus taught. Mm-hmm. Whenever the teachers of the law taught, they, they taught in a way where it was obvious that they, they knew the finer points of Scripture. When Jesus taught, it was obvious that he knew the Father. And, of course, that's the goal of our theology as well, not to know the finer points of, of Scripture, mm-hmm. but to know the Father in, in His fullness. And so we move from the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount to the works of Jesus, and both of those demonstrate uh, who He is and, and the authority He has and what the kingdom of God looks like. It's, it's both uh, word and deed. So we come to mm-hmm. uh, Matthew chapter 8. Father, we thank You for... Uh, the gift of your word. We thank you for the wonderful, um, brilliant, beautiful uh, words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, how they challenge us to our very core and convict us 
Uh, we thank you, Father, for your spirit that makes those words come alive in our hearts and lives. And we ask that as we turn into your word today, that you would, by your spirit, take your word and make it ours in a way that is is deep and can never be taken away from us. And that you would form the very character of your son in us through the power of your spirit in your word. Amen. Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done to you just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders uh, to cross over to the other side of the lake. Then the teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple came to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake, so the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Disciples went in and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us, or we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side of the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men came, came coming from the tombs and met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged, Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs uh, ran off, went into the town and reported all this, included what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. And what a sad way to greet uh, Jesus. Uh, but that's often often what we do. We, we often are entertained by Jesus, and we often like the idea of Jesus, but we uh, are not often available 
uh, to be the people, you know, that Jesus had called us to do. And, and so we do just kind of push him out and, you know, keep him at arm distance. And, and so we've moved naturally from the words of Jesus to the works of Jesus. And and Matthew's, you know, arranging this, you know, it, it, it has a rough, you know, chronological feel to it, but more than anything, he's arranging as a point of emphasis. And so he wants to see those, us to see both of those, you know, as kind of twins in a proclamation of kingdom, both word and works. Mm-hmm. And, and we talk about that. Obviously, we we do not have the power and authority over you know, the, the, in, in the kind of things that Jesus is doing. But the proclamation of the kingdom uh, comes both in our words, where we clearly point people to the person of Jesus, and our works, where we clearly demonstrate the work of the person of Jesus in us. And the two together is very, you know, very powerful. Mm-hmm. You see a little bit of, you know, kind of Matthew's purpose statement of combining all these together um, when he gives us in verse 17, you know, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, you know, so why were the demon possessed being healed and are being brought to him and the spirits being cast out and he's healing the sick? Mm-hmm. You know, Matthew says it, 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 these weren't just random acts. These acts were actually demonstrating the fact that he is the Messiah, mm-hmm. you know, the suffering servant, the one that Isaiah foretold about and he has right. now come. So this was this was to fulfill these things. It wasn't just you know, kind of random acts of kindness. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and you always like, you know, when you hear, that's one of Matthew's favorite words, fulfill. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I guess we can be used to that as a Bible word without really hearing what he's saying. It's bring to its fullness. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's what's happening in, in Christ Jesus. He's bringing all creation to fullness, and he's bringing people to fullness. And, and the works are the healing works of Jesus and, and even the command over creation, you know, that we see. Uh, they're a demonstration of the restorative power, mm-hmm. you know, of God at work in the person of Jesus, mm-hmm. and, and so that restorative power is is not completely exercised here and now, but that's what has begun in mm-hmm. us. He has begun to restore us, and is in the process of restoring all of creation mm-hmm. uh, as well. Yeah, in light of what you're saying, can't help but <clears throat> think about this man who had leprosy and. Um, of course, just the very fact that he had this disease really separated him from regular life, but even more so separated him from, you know, entering into the temple and offering a sacrifice. Um, because we see that in Leviticus all right. over that, that right. there is a clear demarcation. And yet, once he is healed, Jesus has invited him to come in and offer, you know, um, that gift, probably for the first time in a long time that he got to do that because he well, was the clean. first time he got to be a part of community yeah you know going back to his own home and being reintroduced to his own family mm-hmm. you know with those that he had grown up you know with when you love and of course that is part of what you know the the work of christ is is to not only reconcile us to god but to reconcile us you know to one another mm-hmm. and so that is a beautiful picture of make, yeah. restoring someone who could then come into the presence of god but right. also could be part of the community of the people of mm-hmm. god as well, so the, yeah, that that is an incredibly rich theme, mm-hmm. you know, all through Scripture. Yeah. G.K. Beale talking about passages like this mm-hmm. points out that Jesus. It's is not the everywhere temple. that you can get a G.K. Yeah. Beale quote, you yeah. know, yeah. 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 In, a po- in a podcast, unless of course you have Matthew <laughs> Kresge involved in these moments. Right. You have these like end time moments where Jesus is the true temple, where those who are unclean are come and and in exactly. Him you know become yeah. clean, and, and so you just have these kind of cool mm-hmm. moments where mm-hmm. you see. 
you know, it, by all measures, Jesus Jesus should have become unclean in this moment when the unclean leper touches mm-hmm. Jesus, but instead, no, right. Jesus makes, makes him clean. It's reversed know? in it's Jesus. Reversed. Absolutely. Uh, everyone else was, you know, told, "Do not touch him because it will make you unclean." Jesus touches him, and it, it, it's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a beautiful picture. And, and of course, the man comes to him and says, "You, if you're willing, you could do this." And of course, that mm-hmm. takes us back to what we were talking about yesterday. That here is a father who. Uh, for everyone who asks and for mm-hmm. everyone who seeks mm-hmm. and for everyone who knocks, who knows how to give good gifts, and his willingness to restore his people is is without limit. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that we'll be healed of every sickness in the moment we cry out. Even Paul you know, was denied you know, complete removal of the, the thorn in the flesh, but it does mean that he is a God that is in the process of giving these good gifts and he's more willing than we can know mm-hmm. to meet us where we are mm-hmm. and to accomplish his work mm-hmm. in our lives. Right. Which is exactly what he does, you know, with the faith of the centurion. You know, this is a man who who comes and asks and, and mm-hmm. pleads and and then he gets the, the good gift um of of being healed there. Um which is just cool to see. And so the faith of the centurion is amazing. Then we move to the disciples on the sea with Jesus and you know, they kind of get scolded a little bit. You know, you have little faith. You know, why are you so mm-hmm. afraid? And so, obviously, wanting to have the faith of the centurion, often feeling more like the faith of the disciples in the boat with just the kind of chaos of, of life. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, that's you know the ultimate condition of the gospel is that we that we 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 believe it, and and, and by believe it, it's not just kind of an intellectual you know kind of thing. It's a fully embracing who Jesus is and, 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 and what that is. And, of course, these are pictures of what it, it looks like to, to have failed in our faith and, and, to, you know, and to have exercised you know, genuine faith. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to love you know, any time that you know, Jesus pauses to comment you know, uh, on, on a person's faith, and he does this on a couple of, you know, a couple of occasions. And then there's a sad note you know, that uh, many will be like the centurion coming from the east and west, mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, come to the banquet of the you know the kingdom, mm-hmm. but but many who should have should have been in line for the banquet of the kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, will not because they haven't you know placed their faith in Christ. And of course, what a wonderful description of uh, uh, of our ultimate usher into the presence of God. You know, Isaiah talks about the mountain of the Lord, where there is the mm-hmm. richest of wines and the mm-hmm. uh, you know the. Uh, the richest, yeah, the choices yeah. of me. Thank you very much, David. <laughs> oh, you say a lot. Who, so who would, yeah, okay. <laughs> Paul does love choices. <laughs> I, I do, yeah. The whole, I, the, the whole idea of being invited to a banquet, you know, in so Jesus. Pr- what could be better? I know? know the best. What could be better? <laughs> so it's a beautiful picture of that. Yeah. Cindy, mm-hmm. why don't you close us with sure, a little prayer? Sure. And David, thank you so much for help. For rescuing. And the quote from Isaiah. Yeah. He's just hungry. Father, thank you for this chapter. Thank you for... Um, just how we see how Jesus loves people and how he desires to um, show up. Um, and Father, we love the words that Isaiah would say that he did take up our infirmities and he did bear our diseases. And, and we thank you for that. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.